Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good morning. Wake up! The Early Line. Line up! All right, people, welcome in on this February the 26th. Let that marinate for a minute there. That is right, February 26th. It's a leap year, so at least we get an extra day here this month. But, uh, well, for some college teams and a couple NBA teams, uh, the end can't come quick enough here as we wind down the college basketball season. Uh, Selection Sunday, just a couple of weeks away. I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Like we're two months into 2020 already, and I'm just uh, I'm blown away. But it's not going to get any uh, less exciting either as we finish up the regular season in college hoops. We're going to have, of course, conference tournaments, and then that selection Sunday, March 15th, and then from there it's just a it's a battle to uh, to crown a champion. NBA great night last night, even better night tonight uh, on tap as some of these teams that will remain to play out these games. There could be some edges to be had, certainly on tonight's card, as let's face it, in the NBA, there are some teams playing for ping pong balls and really nothing else. While bubble mania will continue to roll through tonight, big games uh, on the card, teams like Syracuse and Pittsburgh going at it tonight, Virginia, a lot of the ACC teams that uh, are a little bubble-ish Uh, are definitely uh, these remaining couple of games here through this weekend really, really important, not only for their March Madness hopes, but of course, they got tournaments coming up, some last-ditch efforts. There is nothing like urgency. And uh, and I think uh, our friend today here, Jared Smith, stepping in, stepping up. Mr. Pick me a damn winner. I'll take Michigan State <laughs> joining us. And uh, and it, there is something really nice about it. And there's something really cool about urgency, man. Oh, you yeah. got to love it. You got to love it. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm playing for ping pong balls every day. So, yeah. you know, I, I certainly know what that what that feels like. I think the most fascinating thing is when we get to this stage and, and I, I did a segment yesterday and I had somebody ask me about some of the big games, the Dayton games, the San Diego State games, the Baylor games that were the big spreads, the teams that are pretty much their their seedings are fairly locked in stone. I, I, I agree. I, I think those are not the games to be looking at at this stage of the season. I think those teams are just trying to get through the next two weeks without screwing anything up. It's those exactly. urgency teams. The Xavier's last night against DePaul. They, need they needed that game. Exactly. I need to win now. Yeah, we'll break it down for you. We'll take a look at the card coming up. But first, let's send it over to Dan Strafford and get you caught up with all the headlines from overnight here on the grid. Checking in on some of the top performers in the National Basketball Association last night. LeBron James put on a show, 40 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, and a block as the Lakers beat the Pelicans 118-109. to Kobe White, 35 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and a loss by the Chicago Bulls, 124-122. to Jason Tatum continues his strong year, 36 points, 5 rebounds, assists, 
two blocks as the Celtics beat the Trailblazers in Portland 118 to 106 in college basketball. Seventh ranked Duke allowed 113 points in a double overtime loss to Wake Forest on Tuesday night, tying the most points a Mike Shashevsky team has ever allowed in his coaching career. Also tying the second most allowed by the Blue Devils in any game. In the NFL, the National Football League moved a step closer to labor peace for another decade earlier today. Player representatives voted to send a new deal already approved by the owners that includes a 17-game season to the full union membership. A simple majority of some 2,000 players must accept the agreement for it to go into effect this year. In baseball, another tough blow to the Yankees' starting rotation. Luis Severino is scheduled to undergo Tommy John surgery this Thursday to address a torn UCL in his right elbow. It was announced on Tuesday afternoon that Severino would be requiring the season-ending reconstructive elbow procedure. The 26-year-old right-hander stands to miss all of 2020 and the early part of the 2021 campaign as well. James Paxton already on the shelf for the Yankees. They do have some depth in the minor leagues. Julio Tehran has been scratched from a scheduled Cactus League start on Wednesday due to left hamstring tightness. An MRI came back negative, and the Angels are calling this a precautionary measure. And Joe and Jared, it's time to saddle up. Circling back to a story from over the weekend, the single-A affiliate of the San Francisco Giants will host a Mason Saunders night. On June 5th, the minor league team will honor Madison Bumgarner and his alter ego. Fans are encouraged to wear Bumgarner jerseys or rodeo outfits. I'm Dan Straffer, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Yeah, decisions, decisions, Dan. <laughs> Thank you very much, my friend. I uh, got to love that. Uh, just uh, I can't wait for baseball, guys. We'll talk Me a too. little baseball coming up. Take a look at some of those uh, future odds here. World Series, some movers and shakers in the market. If you uh, are like, who needs... Who needs a CD? Uh, I'll just go ahead and tie all my money up in future bets. <laughs> we have got For the next what eight months, Joe? Exactly. We I'll see. I'll see you Labor Day, maybe if you're lucky. Exactly. We've got you all set up here, but we'll take a look at. Uh, Dan mentioned it. Some great games last night in the association, and one of the games I was looking forward to, besides obviously you know Zion versus LeBron mm. round one. Uh, this battle for the East, guys, uh, when you had the Bucks heading over to the Raptors. Now, the Raptors have not been to Toronto since they uh, essentially won two games in the conference finals last year, the first two, and then got swept. Uh, it was not a good series. Uh, the matchups there for Toronto against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks last year proved to be very challenging for the Greek freak. Last night, we were wondering, well, you know, second leg of a back-to-back -back that went overtime against the Wizards. It essentially closed at a pick em. What were we going to get? Well, what we got was a, uh, a Giannis clinic once again. Neither team really shooting the ball all that well. And when you look at the scoring for the Raptors, 27 in the first, 25th in the 25 in the second. Then they came out and only shot, you know, got 19 points in the third and finished off with 26 in the fourth. 108.97 was the loss there, Jared. But more importantly, I didn't. I wasn't sure what we were going to get yeah. from an effort standpoint from Milwaukee. Again, they they got eyes big picture here, winning on a Tuesday night here in February. Not necessarily uh, something that they are striving for. However, uh, they delivered last night. Neither team shot particularly well, but when it was all said and done, uh, the Raptors were not good at home, and maybe uh, maybe Marcus Gasol was a little bit more missed than some people thought last night. Yeah, it was actually Milwaukee that looked like the deeper, more rested team, which is surprising because of of what they played. You know, the night before, basically less than twenty four hours before 
I, I don't take, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to run to the window now with Milwaukee based on what we saw last right. night. There was a, ha- I mean, there was a, good, a decent stretch of that game where Toronto was clearly the better team, uh, clearly the more focused team. They just couldn't sustain it for the full 48 minutes. They, they did a good job on Giannis last night, 5 of 14 mm-hmm. from the field. You know, he got to the line eight times. He had 19 rebounds. So, you know, that's just, but, but no offensive rebounds. So, right. you know, they, they, they did a good job corralling him. And I think if you're a fan of the Raptors or you're a backer of the Raptors or, say, the Celtics or even the Sixers or the Heat, you watch that game last night and you're like, all right, I don't understand. And, and I, was, I was texting Kevin Walsh just last night. I don't understand why the Bucks are priced like they're just going to roll through the East playoffs. Like, yes, you know, they're, they're, they're basically priced like we might as well just put them in the East Finals today and get mm-hmm. to a game four where they're up 3-0 in the series, where it's just a one. Yep. I mean, I, I don't understand it. They're, they're, they're priced like Dom Perignon. But I would rather take the, the, the you know, the Coors Light two for one with the Raptors. Yep. And the, I mean, there's a, there's a team that are 8-9-1 to one to win the East. One of those teams is going to be in the East Finals, and it's going to be a dogfight with Milwaukee. They're not going to roll through. Nope. No, experience, there is no uh, substitute for it. Now, they did beat... The Raptors, 115-105 back on November 2nd in Milwaukee. This was game two of their series. Uh, They are now up 2-0. They do have, uh, I believe, consecutive games April 1st and April 3rd as well as they wind down a season and get ready for the playoffs. Uh, But right now, it's uh, it's been all Milwaukee having the answers, uh, much like they did the first couple of games in the finals last year. Unfortunately, um, you know, Kawhi and company decided to clamp down. And I do think that is going to be Certainly, each of those teams that you mentioned are very unique in their ability to be able to stop the Greek freak. And basically, I think teams that have the depth are going anybody but Giannis. And yeah. uh, if you can get Middleton and company to uh, to rise to the occasion, Bledsoe, the Lopez, if you can get them to rise to the occasion, then yes. Then you know what? Uh, you, all that effort to stop the Greek freak, it's going to prove, um, well, they're not going to do you any good if you're going to let Middleton drop 35 on you. So that's the problem against the Milwaukee Bucks. But it wasn't a problem for favorites last night either. You're talking 6-0 and straight and up, 5-1 uh, and against the number in the NBA last night. We mentioned the Bucks. How about the Pacers? This was an interesting game, too. 11.5-point uh, favorite in this one. And a lot of people are going, why is Indiana a double-digit favorite <laughs> over anybody it's the right now? Yeah, no all the deep ball going like what what are you what's going on here? And well, it's you know, people realized, oh, it's the the Hornets, one of the least efficient offensive teams in the association. Uh, and it's mostly because they play at a snail's pace, but uh it didn't prove the matter. Pacers kind of smoked them last night. The Nuggets, 13 and a half point favorites over the Pistons. I, I is there any situation you can imagine backing the Pistons for the rest of the year here? No, and and yeah. you know, but on the other side of it, you know, when you look at the 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 Nuggets offense and 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 what they've been struggling with, I don't think I can back them laying 13. This is an interesting point in the NBA season, Joe, and this is actually the perfect time to really start honing in on your college handicapping because yeah. the NBA it, this is the dog days for the NBA. There are some dog matchups every night in the NBA. And and it's it, it's hard to, you know, kind of Pick. It's almost like one of those games of Blinko, you know, the Price is Right, where the, the ball's bouncing back and forth. You know, these big numbers, it, it only takes one bad stretch for a team like the Nuggets to not be able to cover a 14-point spread. So it, yes. it's, it's just hard to consistently back those teams. We're going to see a lot of good versus bad over the last month and a half, two months, and the bad is really bad in the NBA. That's the issue. So, yep. you know, right. just like we saw with Oklahoma City last night, they had that big lead, yep. and they just couldn't yep. cover. They won the game, yep. just couldn't yep. cover. 
I believe the only uh, that was it. Uh, the only underdog actually to, to cover yeah. in a loss there uh, was that Bulls team on a comeback. Unders five and two on the night. We'll take a look at what happened. Upsets galore in college hoops. We'll talk about that coming up next here. It's the early line on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Get the let out here on a uh, on a Wednesday morning. Welcome back in. Joe and Ari, Jared Smith here on the early line, sportsgrid.com. Uh, we'll get to a couple of top 25 uh, games here tonight on the card in college hoops, including uh, Villanova in action, Penn State, and uh, the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, all big games there for them. We'll, uh, we'll break those down. But just to put a bow there on that, uh, the NBA recap last night, it'd be remiss if we didn't mention, of course, the the final showdown or the big first showdown there between the Lakers and the New Orleans Pelicans, Zion uh, and and uh, let's face it, LeBron. And I thought it was very obvious very early on in that game that LeBron James knew the cameras were on. Oh, yeah. Uh, LeBron James knew the entire NBA world was watching. There are just, and if you guys haven't figured this out right now, there are just some moments during the regular season for LeBron James where he decides, I'm going to, I'm just going to take over a game offensively and uh, I'm going to be impossible to stop. You know, he kind of shifts it into another gear. It's what made LeBron who LeBron is over the years. And I give him a lot of credit. He's done a lot of facilitating this year because of Anthony Davis. But at the same time, when he wants the ball and he wants to take over a game, uh, he kind of showed the world that, listen, I, you know, I get it. Zion's the future here, but, you know, I ain't done just yet dropping 40 points in that game, but crushing them from the perimeter, dropping threes all over the place, second chance points. Zion, what can you do? I mean, the kid is, remember this, it's 13 games into his career, guys. He's, he's 19. Like, I, he's not even... He's not even old enough to drink yet. It, it's just, it's hysterical. And yet he drops 29 last night, only the second loss in the last seven games there for these New Orleans Pelicans. But the reality is we're going to see this again over the weekend uh, back in New Orleans, but it's quite obvious here. LeBron ain't done. And LeBron does have another gear still here, guys. But at the same time, the future is bright for that New Orleans Pelicans team. I love the way they push the tempo. It's perfect for them. Uh, with Brandon Ingram, who dropped, what, 34, but only, you know, four or five points in the fourth quarter, which is really he disappeared is kind of the difference. Uh, but give him credit, man. I think the future is bright for New Orleans. I do think they've got a legitimate shot at that number eight seed. And this could very well have been a precursor to what we're going to see round one in the West. Yeah, and and I, I think we're lucky either way. Well, most likely, I, I think the Blazers could fade, if, especially if Lillard uh, mm. can't get healthy. So I think it's going to be either Memphis or New Orleans in that eight spot. And then we'll either get Ja versus LeBron or Zion versus LeBron. Now, obviously, the Pelicans, I think, are the more intriguing matchup. 
You've got the trade with Anthony Davis last year against his former team. You've got Brandon Ingram, who was supposed to be one of those saviors for the Lakers, who has now you know become one of the top scorers and, and really a linchpin of that New Orleans offense. And this Pelicans team, I'm fascinated. Now, now playoff Braun is going to be there. I mean, that, that, that's what we saw last night. And, and you're right. Everything you said about you know the cameras being on is certainly true. But this New Orleans team's very intriguing, Joe. Uh, they're mm-hmm. starting five. I would put their starting five against any other starting five in the Western Conference with Holiday and with Ball and with Ingram and Favors and Zion. I mean, that's a very formidable lineup, and that's a lineup that's going to be around for a while. And they've got some guys coming off the bench that can play too. This is a Pelicans team. I think my over 34-and-a-half wins is going to cash. It's a very fascinating handicap with them in a seven-game series against this Lakers team with Zion in midseason form, so to say. So I I think they can take a couple games from them if they do play in a seven-game series. In fact, I think Pelicans-Lakers is a much more intriguing matchup to me than than, uh, Lakers-Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies are actually a little bit of a fade in the second half. They've really overachieved in the first half, and they don't have the depth that New Orleans does. New Orleans is a dangerous team, and this is a team that if if they had the full year with Zion, they could be a four or five seed in the West. He's not going anywhere. So, But again, you got to... You've got to force yourselves to take a step back, guys. Do not get enamored. Um, with Zion. The dude's got 13 games into his damn NBA career. Again, he's not old enough to drink. So there is something to be said for experience, and we've seen it in the past. Zion, if he remains healthy, and maybe to me that's the first sure. deep breath you take, is that Zion's played 13 games, and he hasn't been hurt. Um, and that was one of the big concerns you know, getting his legs under him over there, you know, how reliable will he be from a health? He's a big-ass boy, man, any which way oh, you he's cut a load. it. Those guys got feet problems, ankle problems, but so far, knock on wood, great. Love the compliment. Love, love, I love everything they're doing in New Orleans. An 8-1 matchup between the Lakers and uh, the Pelicans would be absolutely Popcorn's tremendous. Ready. Yeah, I, I mean, it would be absolutely uh, tremendous, but... Uh, There are some big games in the association tonight. We'll get to those uh, quickly when it comes to college hoops last night. Some of the uh, big storylines and obviously top 25 teams. uh, Some bubbles uh, that uh, last night, some games that were needed. But we'll start with Michigan State taking down uh, Iowa there. Two teams in the top 25, number 19, Iowa, number 24, uh, Michigan State. And we keep waiting for this, Jared. We we all keep talking about, well, don't discount Michigan State. Yeah. You know, they're going to flip this switch. Well, they've been a 500 basketball team since the start of the new year. So that switch, it, it flips on, it flips off, it flips on. This was kind of a game last night. I always had their stretches here where they looked like a top team, uh, obviously, in the country, a possible number one, possible two seed right up at the top. But then they go on the road, and that's been their big problem. Um, and they were on the road last night. Now, Michigan State certainly didn't make it easy for those of you that backed it last night <laughs> because I got to tell you, you're watching that game in the first half. You're throwing your arms up going, how do you have a team? How do you have Xavier Tillman? How do you have Cassius? How do you have these players who came back and you suck the way you do uh, for most of these games? And while well, the second half came and they decided that they remembered they were Michigan State. Winston woke up. That yeah. was the key. And you saw, and we talked about this before the show, when Cassius Winston decides that this is his game. And, yes. and that's what I was told at half. That's what I was reading at half was uh, Izzo basically said, listen, this is your team. This is your game. You know, go out there and win us a Big Ten title. Go out and win this, win this game for us. And you saw it. 
there was like a 10-minute stretch in that game from when the second half started until about midway through the second half when, when Iowa was all of a sudden, all right, you know, we're in trouble here. We need to stop Cassius Winston from dribbling it up the court. He just took over that game. And when he's doing that, Michigan State's a very dangerous team. We talk about yeah. balance, and I preach this on every segment, every show I do. The teams that win in March are the teams that are good on offense and good on defense, and there's not this gap in between. And Michigan State's one of just four teams in the country that's a top-20 adjusted offense and a top-20 adjusted defense. The other three are Kansas, San Diego State, and Duke, and we'll discuss the Duke issues at another time. In fact, Duke's defense took a big hit last night. Mm -hmm. But the balance, to me, is what makes Michigan State dangerous, and they haven't shown it yet. And I, I almost think that's a good thing. Teams like Penn State, my alma mater, that have peaked a little bit too early, it, it maybe isn't the best time to be playing your best basketball in January and February. Maybe, maybe Sparty's figuring it out a little bit. Maybe last night was kind of a turn-the-corner type of game. I thought that line stunk to high heaven. In fact, that I was been mm-hmm. hot, and they were you know, getting eight and a half points. And I think we found out why they were getting eight and a half points because they had no answer for Cassius Winston in the second half. Right. And Iowa will not have an answer for a good backcourt like that in March. Their defense is just not good enough. But Luca Garza kept him in, kept him in that game last night. Well, that's what that's why the the line stunk. Like yeah. you, you expect me to a team with Luca Garza on it should not be getting eight and a half no points, way. especially since there are five hundred clubs since the start of the year. It shouldn't be. It did, but and then it just got away from them like it has in a lot of second halves on the road this year. For Iowa, but I will say this about Michigan State, guys. The way they are closing out the season here over the next couple of weeks, they got upcoming games against Penn State. Mm. They've got a uh, road game at Maryland and Penn State, rather. They have Ohio State. Three best teams in the Big Ten, probably, Joe. So we're Maryland, Penn State, Ohio State. That's their last three games. It's crazy. We're going to see exactly what this Michigan State team is all about. If they win these games going into the tournament, yeah, watch out. Uh, here we go again. Agreed. Michigan State is getting ready to kick it into another year. And then, of course, uh, this week we watch Florida State and the ACC guys. Huge win, demolishing win in the second half against Louisville. Kind of put them in a position to be that number one team in the ACC. But, you know, there was that team just ahead of them, that being Duke. So Duke, you know, over the weekend, uh, coming off of that just uh, that ridiculous loss last week. So, they, uh, they have no problem winning by 20 over the weekend. And then, well, now they've got another game against not a great team in Wake Forest. So this has been the problem for Duke all year. They're always going to be overvalued. Uh, you know, you notice, Jared. Oh, the, my God. The numbers absolutely. are going to be overvalued. The Everything about Duke is overvalued. And, uh, and you mentioned it, including their defense this year, which very unlike Coach K teams, in the final 20 seconds of that game, the meltdown for the Duke yeah. team that was up by multiple baskets and couldn't stop turning the damn ball over the, to, to Wake Forest, giving them an opportunity to actually score the six points there to be able to come back and tie the game. They almost had a chance to win it uh, as well. It, it was meltdown beyond meltdown. Another loss for Duke. Florida State sitting pretty, but Duke is... Get it in your head, guys. Duke, this is not the Duke of old. Um, this is a much younger, much different, little less talented Duke team than we have seen in years past. Yeah, and, and when you look at Duke's defense, the numbers actually say that they're a decent defense. So there's something else wrong with Duke. Like, you know, and, and, and that's, how, that's the feeling I got last night when I watched Michigan State in the first half. I was like, there's just something off about this team. But yep. then they turned it on. And Duke has the ability to turn it on, no doubt. We just haven't quite seen it yet. 
Uh, their last three games, you know, they beat Virginia Tech pretty handily, but they gave up 88 to NC State and, you know, yep. obviously double overtime last night, but they gave up uh, 113. Looked like the Chris Paul uh, Wake Forest team in Deacons last night. To touch on Florida State for a second, the, to me, Florida State's one of the most fascinating teams in the field, and here's why. When I look at their, their, their breakdown of their minutes, their minutes usage, they have mm. 10 guys that are at 20% usage, which is <laughs> fascinating because yep. that means that they literally go 10 deep with their concert, like with their core, like they just throw waves at you. And those are the types of teams, Joe, that do well in March because they don't get tired. The Thursday, uh, Saturday doesn't affect them. And they just are relentless defensively. They are a relentless defensive team. Yes, they are. And when you keep throwing six, four to six, nine wing players yeah. out there and you can't tell them apart, that's a pretty good team. All right. We'll take a look at some of these top 25 games on the card tonight. We'll do that next year on the grid sportsgrid.com. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Top 25 teams in action tonight. We'll uh, we'll go over a couple of those games next year, but I want to welcome you into the grid, sportsgrid.com. It is the early line. I'm Joe Ranieri alongside Jared Smith. As uh, as we take a look uh, quickly, the other couple of games of note last night in college hoops that, uh, that were a bit head-scratching, covered but did not, uh, I mean won but did not cover, you can look at teams like San Diego State, who got back on track after losing to UNLV over the weekend. They take care of business against Colorado State, although they were a double-digit favorite, 13, 13 and a half, I think was the closing line. And they end up uh, they end up covering, but uh, winning rather, but not covering. It's still a W, and uh, they got back on track. That was really the big worry, I think, for people, because at 18, 19, Jared, it's real easy when things when, when you get off the rails, right? And you, and you lose unexpectedly and you it, that's when it could really start to snowball and go down if you don't hurry up and, and regroup. Now we watched Kansas coming off of that big win against Baylor over the weekend. They stepped up, they demolished Oklahoma State. So all is right there. Wasn't a letdown spot. What were we gonna get from San Diego State? What were we gonna get from Baylor? Two double digit you know, favorites going into those games last night and both proved to be, yeah, everyone to slow your roll here. Now, Colorado State can shoot. So the fact that they didn't cover that number to me was a little whacked out because of their ability to be able to hit, uh, you know, bombs away from three point range. They did that. They kept it close 66 to 60. But Baylor just wanted to leave no doubt, which uh, I guess we kind of we all kind of knew that was coming. Kind of don't overthink the room. Baylor is better than Kansas State, and they proved it again last night. So, uh, and congratulations to Oklahoma. Played at the uh, Oklahoma uh, City Thunder building, the Chesapeake yeah, Bay Arena. Yeah, was a big there. win for Oklahoma. That's huge win. And if you watched uh, yesterday, Jared, and again, one of our big things on the show here is, guys, just follow the money. You don't, you don't yeah. have to have spent, you know, six months, you know, 
hemming and on going over all of the college basketball teams. That line yesterday continued. Yeah, 70% of the bets going towards Texas Tech, the better team, better forum. And yet that line continued to move towards Oklahoma. And the reason why is that the pros were looking at it and going, bad spot for Texas Tech. OU needs this. Texas Tech doesn't. In, you know, just outside of Norman at Oklahoma City there, this was, it was a big spot for OU. Lon Kruger and company got the job done last night. Congratulations. Yeah, and you talk about urgency, Joe, and that, and, you know, I, again, I was asked last night about Dayton. You know, are you, are you swallowing 13 points with them? Are you swallowing 14 with San Diego State? No. Those teams are very established with their positioning. San Diego mm-hmm. State can lose in, in, the, in the Mountain West tournament, and maybe they go from a one to a two. But these teams don't need to win. They need to just, you know, not get injured and not do anything to screw anything up. Now, San Diego State has a little bit of an issue, I think, right now with their offense. Uh, it could just be a, a, a brief little slump, but they're lucky last night that Colorado shot or Colorado State shot 25% from three or else they would have lost yeah. that game last night. And, and that would have <laughs> been a bad loss yeah. back-to-back after what happened against UNLV because, again, I, I watched that game against uh, San Diego State-UNLV, and, and – the, the Aztecs just missed a lot of bunnies. And, you know, that can happen over the course of a long season. Right. You might have a game or two where, you know, the, you know, you're just the iron unkind, as Tim Brando says. But I, I think long haul, San Diego State and Dayton are so established that, no, I, I don't want to lay 15 points with them. All they care about is winning the game. What I want to do is I want to find teams that are small favorites, maybe even small pooches, that need to win to get into the tournament. The urgency is there and you saw it last night with some of these teams that needed to win. And I don't want to call that UNC-NC State game a need-to-win game. But again, at home, against your rival, the urgency was there. So, you know, that's what you're looking at down the stretch over the next, I think there's maybe 10 days left of the college basketball regular season. Maybe mm-hmm. eight, you know, I think like a week to 10 days, three games, four games, depending on where you are with your schedule. The teams that are established are not going to push the tempo. They're not going to show their hand before the conference tournament. Even in the conference tournament, teams like San Diego State and Dayton might be a little more blasé about you know, covering these big numbers against the early round teams because they are focused on the big picture. Certain teams don't have that luxury, and Oklahoma is certainly one of them, and they showed it last night. Yeah, uh, big uh, bubble winners last night. Uh, Oklahoma, obviously huge. Uh, Xavier with a big win over the yeah, ball there, bouncing one. back. Uh, Utah State uh, just demolishing. They were, you know, an 18, 19 point favorite in that game. Anyway, they uh, they wiped out San Jose State quietly now six in a row, nine out of the last 10. Utah State coming on strong, uh, which is, again, not great news for San Diego State. Uh, Mississippi State also taking care of business uh, last night. Congratulations uh, to them. That means Alabama, Memphis and NC State. Those are bubble teams. Not a great night, and uh, you mentioned it, uh, Jared. We're running out of real estate here, guys. Uh, yeah. Running out of real 18 estate. Eighteen days till selection Sunday. Yep. So uh, games like every game really matters from here on out. Memphis blew a huge opportunity. They lost to SMU there last night. Not going to help their case at all. And of course, Alabama. Just listen. Did you see that train? Oh no, it's Alabama playing <laughs> basketball. All they do is run up and down the court. One of the top tempo teams in all of college uh, basketball here, guys, but they just, they go stretchers. They should have won. I counted on the schedule. They had four or five games this year where they just went either brain dead or ran out of steam and could not be efficient enough to preserve wins, but games that they should have won. Uh, Alabama, this SEC 
tournament, I think, is going to be also fascinating to watch. We know the overs in the SEC, guys, yeah. have been absolute. 64% of the games this year have gone to the over. They don't play any defense in the SEC, which is what makes Auburn a fascinating play. Tonight, LSU, Florida, we'll talk about that game. Uh, these teams, they love the score. They love tempo. They got athletes. They don't have any defense in that conference. It's amazing to me. You know, they got all the defense in football. They don't have any defense here in basketball in the SEC. Well, it's funny because even football, Joe, I feel like some of these SEC teams are starting to be more <laughs> like Alabama's, you know, I feel like they're becoming more of an offensive team now. But you're right. Overall, you know, the 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 defense in the SEC conference, certainly the football uh, teams have, have a little more uh, oomph behind them on the defensive side of the ball. A little more starch there uh, if, you're, if you're keeping your collars nice and, nice and fresh on your shirts uh, there on the defensive side. LSU-Florida is an interesting matchup tonight. I, I, I think Will Wade's team has reached this kind of, you know, fork in their road of their season mm-hmm. where they had some success in, 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 in recent years, but they've kind of hit that wall, and now they're looking up at Kentucky and Auburn in the SEC standings. And granted, it doesn't really matter seeding-wise if you're two or you're three in the SEC tournament. You're going to probably face each other anyways uh, in the semis. But Kentucky, I think, is the team that has figured it out. Like we talk about yep. Michigan State, it, you know, it just takes time because these guys are they're veterans and they don't necessarily – like almost like LeBron in, in November. Now, granted, this year's a little different because he's kind of been balls to the wall all season. But yep. it just takes time to build it. Veteran coaches, veteran teams, and I don't want to call Kentucky a veteran team because they're all so young, but at this stage in the year, they're basically sophomores, all these freshmen. And Kentucky's figuring it out. Kentucky's a very scary team. If you were going to ask me some of these blue bloods that have had bad years or you know down years for them, Kentucky and Michigan State are the two that I think could peek their head up and make a run at the Final Four. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and there is an uh, interesting top 25 battle going on here tonight. These are kind of trap games for some of these teams. Villanova taking on St. John's here tonight. Double-digit favorite there, 13, 13 and a half points. Uh, You're talking about a St. John's squad, guys, that they started off strong this year. A lot of hopes. They just kind of everything went off the rails for them. They do have some talent there, but it's unbelievably inconsistent like a lot of teams in the Big East, unfortunately. Meanwhile, Villanova, a lot of young guys on his team. You know, Jay Wright and company, he's usually much more upperclassmen oriented, guys that stay in school. He went extremely young. A lot of freshman guys uh, putting minutes out for this team. It's taken them a little while to figure it out, but they've got four wins in a row now. They've got three covers in a row now. Uh, This is going to be a game where, uh, to me, this Villanova-St. John's game tonight might be uh, the blowout of the night on the card. It could be. Ken Palm's only got it at a nine-point margin, which is surprising because usually I take mm. Ken Palm's lines uh, or their projections to be basically gospel when it comes to the betting lines. And so that's a right. big four-point difference there between what the spread is and what Ken Palm has it. And Ken Palm can be deceiving at this point in the year, and and, and I, I talk about it a lot because it's such a great handicapping tool to kind of see inside of, of, you know, kind of the guts, the intestines of these teams. Yep. And... Nova, to me, is fascinating because you're right. They are so young, but when you get to this stage in the year, the freshmen are sophomores, the sophomores are upperclassmen. And Nova's got two incredible freshmen, Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Justin Moore. I mean, these kids can flat-out play. And you've got Connor Gillespie as well as kind of the engine that runs it. I liken him to, you know, a Ryan Archie Diacono of years past. And this is a Nova team. We talked about Kentucky. We talked about Michigan State, the Blue Bloods, that maybe you haven't heard much from this year because they're not – as heralded as in years past, Nova's in that group. 
And yep. Nova's got, I think, probably the best coach in the country in Jay Wright, if not top five. And when you get him into a situation where he can scheme Thursday, Saturday, and he's got guys that are playing above the back of their baseball card, so to say, at this stage in yep. the season, very dangerous teams. They don't defend it as well as Nova teams have in years past. Right. That's what I think will trip them up in March. They're, they're only 52nd in adjusted defense. To me, that is, their, is, what, is what is their Achilles heel right now. But again, consistency, experience, and offense, they've got all three of those things right now, and I think they're not as young as they, would, as they seem because the fact that these freshmen have played basically every game and every minute of every game this year, and they're basically yep. sophomores and upperclassmen at this stage of the season. Yep. They need Gillespie to play yes. well. They, don't forget, this is a team that beat Kansas, guys. Yep. So this is a team who's sealing. And Xavier and Creighton. I mean, they have good wins. They are good, man. So, uh, interesting game here tonight. A couple of other top 25 games. Maryland on the card. We'll talk about those games coming up here on the grid. It's the early line, sportsgrid.com. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. So Penn State right in the middle of a damn log jam in the Big Ten there. Uh, them and about everyone else, it feels like, sitting at 10-6 and six in this conference. And uh, boy, oh boy, I got to tell you, they need wins in order to be able to keep pace at the very least in what is uh, just a conference that in all likelihood is going to devour each other here moving forward. Uh, big game tonight, another top 25 team college uh, hoops there. Penn State is going to be... Uh, at home here, not I, Rutgers, and I'm sorry about that. I meant Rutgers there. Rutgers taking on the Nittany Lions on the road. And we know what the deal is with Rutgers, right? Pretty good at home there, but they have this issue. And I don't want to say that it's just, it's, it's a Big Ten issue. It's been an issue for uh, teams, at least the narrative that we have been given. And I think the numbers don't skew nearly as much as the narrative that these Big Ten teams can't win on the road. And, uh, well, it, there's a lot of 18, 19-year-old laden teams that can't win on the road. That's what college is all about. Uh, but this is a big game for Penn State tonight, taking on a Rutgers team. The number is six. Uh, I, I don't. How do you – can you back a Rutgers team that can't win on the road here? No. They're one and seven away from the rack. Yeah. I, I just – I can't – you know, and, and don't get me wrong, Penn State's not playing great right now. Right. I thought that they had a stretch against Indiana where they looked legitimately like the worst team in the Big Ten. And mm-hmm. then they had a stretch against Indiana where they looked like the best team in the Big Ten. And, right. and, that ha- and again, Penn State was on the road as well. And, 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 yep. and that is the narrative that we've seen. You know, it, it just seems as though the bigger the conference, the bigger the game, the harder it is to win on the road. And the yep. good news for these teams is, well, guess what? In two weeks, you're not going to have any true road games anymore. So, right. you know, Penn State's got two more road games left. Uh, one of them's at Iowa this weekend, which is going to be a doozy, especially with Iowa coming off their loss last night. And then the other one's at Northwestern. So I would, I would assume that Penn State will split the pair there. And they have a couple of tough home games as well, Michigan State being one of them. And for Penn State, and this is 
a very close and near and dear story to my heart, Joe, because usually at this stage of the year, my birthday's on Friday, and I have never cared about Penn State basketball on my birthday, ever. <laughs> ever. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Except for yeah. one year when they went to the tournament, and then Rudy Fernandez broke my heart uh, with a last-second shot when they uh, faced Temple. That was the Taylor Battle Penn State yep. team, which came from out of nowhere and made it all the way to the Big Ten championship game that year and then lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I've never witnessed in my lifetime a Penn State tournament victory. I hope it's going to happen this year. I think it's going to happen this year. But seedings be darned. They could get into that 5-12 game, and we've seen what happened in the past with 5-12 games. So I, I just don't know how good they are. I know what their floor is. Their floor is Lamar Stevens. He'll take them as far. Yeah. They'll go as far as Lamar Stevens will take them. They've got a lot of young kids on the outside. I like this Seth Lundy kid. He can shoot the three. I think, I, I think you know, Pat Chambers is a good, not great coach. I think he's a good fit for Penn State. He's gritty, but I don't think he's an elite coach. So I, I, I think they have gaps, and they have players who can play, but I don't know if they're going to be in the right place at all times. That's where I struggle with Penn State right now. Yeah, one of the most uh, productive players in the country, Steve. Is oh, absolutely. Get a that no one really knows about. Yeah, conference player of the year for sure. Now, Rutgers, it's fascinating because Rutgers, guys, is one of the top defensive teams in the country yeah. like they, these kids can bring it don't you know and i, and I think they've kind of overachieved a little bit here this year nobody thought Rutgers would nope. even be in a position Same like that penn they state are very similar teams yeah. and you got this whole log jam happening penn state sitting at 10 and 6 now penn state went a month without losing so they've really already and this is the other problem with these you know final couple of games penn state's already done enough to to both they're in like we, oh, we yeah, already know yeah, penn absolutely. state's going to be in so they're not they're not a bubble team where, you know, to your point, this has been a problem over the years. Like it's you're either out of it or they're not. No, this team is in. They know they're in different place uh, playing at Penn State than it is uh, any place else. Rutgers, until you prove it, it's only six points. Um, and I got to tell you, a Penn State could win this one by double digits easily here. I do like the under as well. One thirty seven and a half because yeah, of the like defensive too, prowess actually. and a Penn State. They've kind of been off shooting the last couple of games. If they stop the bleeding here, there is a good chance this does not come close to 140 points. So there is some value in there. And Rutgers course, had some Matt, really good defensive games this year, Joe. They held Seton Hall to under 50. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. They they have players. They just nobody saw it actually being put. That under is very juicy. I, I think the I, under might be the play in the, of the night in that one. Could very well be. I think there's a couple of buying opportunities here for this game. Uh, and then, of course, you got uh, you got Maryland also going tonight against yeah. Minnesota. Minnesota, another one of these teams. Brutal schedule early on in the year. I liked this Minnesota team. I really did. Maryland, to me, was never getting enough credit. They were always kind of a Big Ten sleeper uh, all year long. If you guys were able in the futures market to hop all over them, congratulations. You, you, there were some really interesting numbers uh, when the season started there. For Maryland, they can play. But. They lost to Ohio State this past weekend. Prior to that, guys, they had won nine in a row. I mean, this this is a team that really has put it together. We thought they had. We knew they had players. We knew Maryland was going to be good. Minnesota, at this particular point, guys, uh, another one of these. Minnesota beats the teams they should. They don't beat the teams they shouldn't. So, that you know, and that's kind of what it's been. Home road dichotomy with Minnesota has been there. This is the Golden Gophers are two and five against the number in their last seven overall. And they're also 0 and five against the number in their last five against teams with, you know, with above 500. So 
They beat the lower, the Northwesterns of the world. They don't generally beat the Maryland's. And that's the problem here with this game. So Maryland money line, don't even mess with it kind of situation. If you want to mix it in with maybe the under a Penn State, that might be uh, that might be something I would look at. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Minnesota's one of those teams, you know, you, you got the Patino kid who's coaching them and, and they had all that buzz the last couple of years, made it to the tournament. I think they won a game in the tournament, too. And Oturu is one of the best players in the country. Wow. He he might come out this year. I think he probably will as a sophomore. So they're going to lose him. And this Minnesota team, since the month of February began, they have two wins. One of them's against Northwestern. The other one's at home yeah. against Wisconsin. The rest of the right. games have been pretty bad. Yep. And they just don't. You're, you're right. They, they 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 just can't figure out a way to put it all together for 40 minutes. And Maryland has. In fact, Maryland, I think. I, I'm not in love with this Maryland team, Joe. I mean, I, I, I like what Mark Turgeon's done. I, 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 mm-hmm. I like Anthony Cowan. I like Jalen Smith. I think they're solid mm-hmm. players. I just don't see anything special about Maryland. Like, when I right. watched them play against Ohio State the other night, they just didn't jump out at me as, oh, this is a team I need to take seriously come March. They're just a really solid basketball team that probably makes it to the Sweet 16 or loses in the round of 32. I think that's the ceiling for Maryland. Just like I think that's the ceiling for Penn State as well. I think the teams in the Big Ten that we really need to start paying attention to are Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. To me, those are the three teams that haven't played their best basketball yet this season. Maybe we're starting to see it from Michigan State. Maybe we're starting to see it from Ohio State. But preseason, those were the teams that everyone wanted to talk about. Especially Michigan when they went on that crazy run. I think it was in Atlantis where they beat Gonzaga. They beat Carolina in back-to-back games. Everyone was going nuts about Michigan. And then they kind of had this swoon. Now they're getting healthier. Same thing with Michigan State. Everyone wanted to talk about Cassius Winston, player of the year. Xavier Tillman, you know, runner-up to the player of the year. They had that swoon. Now they're starting to figure it out. Ohio State's got the Wesson twins that are just absolutely dominant. So, the Big Ten, I think, is a little disjointed this year. The teams at the top, I think, are the lesser teams that are going to make runs in March. It's fascinating. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State are kind of in the middle zone. And you've got Penn State, Iowa, and Maryland as your top three teams. I think it's reversed when you get to March, kind of, in terms of teams we need to be playing on when the tournament starts. What fascinates me is, is listen, this Turgeon is a great, he's a great head coach, guys. Maryland has always been there. Sure. Greg Sussman, he's probably salivating <laughs> here tonight. Looking to hop on Maryland. I'll get a text here in a minute where that's right, Joe, Moneyline, Maryland. Um, but what amazes me is how well the distribution, we talk about depth a lot here. Maryland in just their last three games alone, guys, their last three, uh, um, they've had, They've had three different guys lead them in scoring, scoring at least 20 points in each of those games. So they have, they've got guys that can play. It's not so heavily reliant on one guy or the other. They do have some depth. Kind of reminds me of that uh, Florida State motif where any guy at any particular night. I like their defense a lot. I I like their defense, defense, Joe. And that's served. And they've been money. I mean, if you guys have backed Maryland this year, they're four and uh, four one and one in the last six on the road against the number. They're three and one against the number in the last five as an as a underdog. And they they deliver. I mean, that's the amazing part to me about this Maryland team is that quietly, certainly when it comes to spread betting, uh, Maryland's been a money and more money on the road than most people consider yeah. or or would road win over Michigan State, road win over yeah. Indiana. And they've Absolutely. got Michigan State and Michigan two out of their last three games. I, I, I do think they'll beat Minnesota tonight. I think they'll yes. beat Rutgers next week. It's the other two games that are going to be the fascinating games. And this Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis, Joe, is going to be an absolute Great. barn burner. I think yes. that and the Big East tournament are the two ones to me 
that if you're not watching every game and you're not dialed into every game, you're missing out on handicapping opportunities for March because every game in the Big Ten is best versus best where there's no top team. And, you know, obviously you've got the bottom teams, Nebraska, Northwestern, we throw those out. But once you get to that double buy stage, and that's the key for Penn State. We talked about Penn State earlier. They need to hang on to that double buy. Right now it's a gauntlet. I think there's five teams for basically four spots in that double buy. Or maybe it's even six teams for four spots in that top four range. That, to me, they're all going to be scrambling the last two weeks to get that. And then once we get to the Bankers Life Fieldhouse, man, that is going to be some tournament. Yep. It's going to be out of control. So some games with some juice here tonight, obviously, especially in the Big Ten because of the logjam that you've got there. Uh, We mentioned, of course, LSU, Florida, two teams. We say Maryland, been very good for betters uh, who have backed them against the number. These two teams have had the most inconsistent of years, certainly against the number. Two teams that don't have winning records against the number. LSU 12 and 15, Florida is 11 and 16. And even in the last five, LSU 2 and 3 against the number, Florida 3 and 2. It makes for a fascinating five-point spread here tonight for, uh, um, for Florida. And... I don't think you can get two more teams that are identical than what you've got there in that game. We'll talk more about uh, that one, plus a couple of the big market movers. Where are the pros going with the money? We'll give you that information coming up next here, hour number two on the grid. Early line. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.